Uh, hey, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's an honor to be with you on the first Sunday of 2024. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. We can celebrate that. Good, good, good. Hey, before I jump into this message, I... Uh, I should have a little family moment. I, I think it's really important that we do this. Uh, I try to do this at the start of every new quarter, uh, to give an update of where we're at as a church. So if you call this place your home, I'm talking to you. I just want to be as transparent as possible with you as far as this update. If you are new, you're a guest, you're just checking us out, or you don't know why you're here, that's great. It's not that you can't hear it. It's just you know, it, it is what it is. We'll get to the message here in a second, but I just want to make sure that we keep uh, what's important to us in front of our people. Does that sound good? Yes. All right. So, uh, wow, it's been two quarters. Our budget year runs July 1st to June 30th. So we just finished, we're about halfway through the year. Uh, so we finished two quarters, July to September and October to December. And I just want to give you an update of where we are at as a church. So let's talk um, no parking. <laughs> let's talk attendance, which is crazy. So here, I put this on the screen for you. Uh, in July through September, the first quarter of this year, we averaged uh, like a weekend about 993 people. Okay, that, that's awesome. Now, what happened, and this is crazy, what happened is we added a third service. So we said, hey, we, we're growing. We need to add a third service. So we started on October 8th, a third service. And I know a lot of people ask, well, was it worth it? Did, did you need it? All that stuff. Well, uh, I'll let you be the judge of that because here's what we're averaging in October through December. So... <laughs> now, I, I must confess, that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, but it's a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem because we have parking issues and, and, and so forth. But I will tell you in the last three years, historically when we've grown, it's actually been January to March. So to be heading into growth season at this place, I would just tell you that we are faced with some decisions because the answer cannot be let's add another service. I mean, it can be. I just don't want it to be, okay? Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so we got to figure out what to do and what that means for us. And so, uh, yeah, that's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. So that's, that's awesome. Now, here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you where all these problems are coming from, which is fun, for fun. So we, we track, we have a whole guest services thing, and we walk with uh, families who are new to our church, guests that are new to our church that we try to identify, or they self-identify in little things like kids check in, or they just walk them and say, I'm new, right? It's a combination of our efforts, their generosity, and kids. But we track information, and then we walk with those people uh, what is nine weeks, that's a big deal, nine weeks, because we don't want it to rush it. Everyone looking for a church is a big deal, not a small deal. So we walk with them for nine weeks, a series of things. So if you see that banner in the hallway that says 10-minute party, that's one of the steps on the journey. But I will tell you, so far, since July 1st, we've identified 274 people that we're walking with to see if this is their home church. Now, that's pretty fun. I just met three people today. Uh, just crazy how everyone gets here. It's just fun stories and, and got to meet that. But I, I value that. That's a real joy to me to meet our people, all that stuff. Uh, that's a problem, a good problem, praise Jesus. Here's our big problem though, okay? I want you to know this. And kids, y'all need to stop multiplying the earth. We, have, we average about 210 kids a Sunday. Now, that's awesome, and not awesome, because I want you to understand what that means. Here's the not awesome part is since November that we've seen a 35% increase in kids. 
So what, what it's doing is it's throwing our ratios off. We, we try to have a ratio of one to six because we're a small group driven curriculum. Every kid from birth to 18, the priority thing is connecting them to community because we're better together. And if we don't teach our young people to thrive in community, they will naturally drift towards isolation. And then sometimes in their 30s or 40s, when it hits the fan and they'll be like, I need help, they'll come to church. We're just trying to avoid all of that problems by creating community. So right now, that's where in kids ministry, you saw it last week with Pastor Chad when he said, hey, we need help. We are needing to recruit some people who wanna influence and impact the next generation. In preschool, in twos and threes, start going to small groups. It's amazing, it's hilarious. I don't know what they talk about, but it's funny. All the way into elementary school, they do groups. They break out into rooms. Fourth and fifth grade. I mean, I got, again, I'm not special, but I love when I see my daughter getting a postcard from our small group leader about what they're gonna be discussing that Sunday and praying for her. Like that makes my heart happy because there's real connection. And so we need more people to help, to help impact our kids, influence them to be all that God says they can be. So they don't fall victim to the lies of the enemy, church. That's what it's about. So if that is you, and you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not shame and guilt from Kyle, it's the Holy Spirit, testify. Uh, just go ch see Chad, he's at the, the kind of the lobby booth right out there. We'd love to connect you and give you more information, all right? A couple other things. Students, in September, we split. We used to do Wednesday night, junior high and senior high combined. But again, we value community. We value age-specific ministry. So we split those part. We moved junior high to Sunday morning and we moved senior high to Wednesday night or they stayed at Wednesday night. And I wanna tell you this, this is really crazy. We're averaging about 41 kids on a Sunday, which is awesome. But here's what's really crazy is that accounts for about 180 unique visits. That's wild. That means that if every one of our junior hires showed up, there'd be 180 kids in a small room. They're about to kick us out of this space. It's crazy. But I will tell you what, what we're working on is how do we move those people into retention, right? People don't go to church every day of the, or every Sunday of the month. They go one or two times. We're trying to move families towards consistency and we're using our kids ministry and our student ministry. And so we're working on that retention. Parents help us out. Your kids don't have community unless they make it a priority. Make church a priority, all right? In senior high, we have 31 on Wednesdays. That's ninth through 12th grade. Again, same problem in the midst of sports season and all the craziness. We have about 220 unique visits since September. That's wild and exciting. All right, discipleship. One of the things we value here, we value discipleship. We've had 900 and unique, uh, 980 unique participants in classes and groups just this fall. That's wild. That's almost a thousand people in small communities working together to be more like Jesus. We could celebrate that one. That is incredible, okay? <laughs> Our next season is starting, right? In the, book, in the pamphlet you got today, the weekly update, the adult discipleship classes. Adult discipleship is, hey, I want to be more like Jesus in this focused area. Sign up for something. There's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday. There's something for everyone. Read that and get involved. And it's awesome to take a step to be more like Jesus. Membership. We value our members. We've added 48 new members since July 1st. That's incredible. Our family of growing, people committed to seeing the mission happen here in Willoughby Hills. That's awesome. All right, generosity. Again, I just wanna remind you, our budget year runs July 1st 
to June 30th. So this is a halfway point. I also want to tell you this because people don't know this, but our church, this operation, this building, the utilities, the salaries, everything runs on the generosity of the people sitting in the seats right here, right? There's not a, um, a government agency that supports us. There's not some giant rich person out there that says, I like what you do. Here's money. We are totally uh, operated on the generosity of the people who believe in the mission and believe what God's word says and so generously into this place. And I just wanted you to know right away, thank you. You helped make this place run and it's a joy to lead. It's a joy to be a part of. Our budget to date is supposed to be 1,080,000. That's halfway through our budget year. Our budget's about 2.2 million dollars. So we're halfway through almost. And so here's what's come in so far. So since July 1st, we've had 1.1 million and 48,000, okay? That's good. That's about a 68,000 surplus. Now, it's not really surplus cuz it, you know, it just we're halfway through, so we're saving. So we curb our spending. We, we kind of watch that. We forecast all of our expenses. We're watching that trends to make sure we're doing, being wise stewards. But I just, again, that's incredible. We're doing good. Thank you, church, for showing up and showing out. It helps us, helps the people. And listen, it does help people. I, I know our benevolence numbers. Uh, this Christmas, we were able to help a lot of people who are in need. Uh, we've been able to do immeasurably more. I know that I was just down in Brazil. I can't wait to tell you about it in November. What was I doing in Brazil is we sow into a missionary down there and we started two churches down there and I was invited to come speak to those churches. And the ministry that's happening in Brazil is incredible. And again, our ability to affect other parts of the world starts here. So thank you again for your generosity. Now, what excites me even more is since July 1st, we've added 81 new donors. That means 81 people have bought into the mission and said, hey, I want to support you. That's incredible. Now I wanna tell you, uh, I have a flip side to that is I love 81 new donors. That's amazing. I will tell you members is that I, we have about 90 members who aren't generous. And that's very perplexing because the covenant and the commitment that they signed said that they would be generous to the church. And so we're gonna be reaching out and saying, hey, do you need help? Are you okay? Do you not believe in the mission anymore? Do you need to not be a member? Because again, generosity is what moves. It's the heartbeat of God and we want to be like Jesus. Now, here's what I will tell you. I need something from you. I need your help. I need you to join me in a season of prayer. 21 days of prayer. It starts tomorrow. All you have to do to join us is text pray. Every day we're going to send you a prayer prompt or a Zoom video link to join us in a corporate prayer gathering or invite you to walk this campus in prayer on Sunday before services. These next 21 days, we are really seeking the face of God because we have a lot of choices to make. Not decisions, choices. We believe that God is doing something in our body. He's taking us somewhere. We're trying to understand where and how to best prepare for it. Like I said, to have the numbers we're running and heading into growth season, we need to start plotting and planning. What does that mean? Are we called to start churches? That's what I'm sensing. It's like, hey, we got to plant churches. Northeast Ohio needs more life-giving agencies of hope and reconciliation. Amen? But that takes resources. And so we're starting to seek God because what he calls us to, he'll help see us through. Amen? 
So join me in prayer. It's just a good time to be with the body and seek the face of God on the same thing. And it's a great start to 2024. So just jump on that, text that. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. You can email me, Pastor Kyle at WH Friends or info at WH Friends. Would love to help you, but it starts tomorrow, okay? Oh, that was a lot. 2024 is off to an emotional roller coaster. Come on, somebody. Let's pray and thank God for what he has done so far this year and what he has yet to do because we're hopefully excited about what's happening. Church, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for all that you've done. God, thank you for the people that you've sent us to shepherd and to pastor. Thank you for the hands that consistently pour out and make uh, paths in, in new ways for our young people, for our old people and everyone in between, God. Thank you for those. I pray right now that you would pour out a double portion on them, even right now, as, as they help make this run. God, thank you for all of the missions all over the world that we're gonna talk about in the coming months that we get to support through the faithfulness of these people. God, thank you that we get to be a, a lighthouse in the midst of Lake County that draws people, not to us or to our clique, but to you and to your kingdom. So God, we give it to you for your honor. May we never lose your anointing. May we as the elders and the staff stay at the foot of your cross, seeking your guidance and your clarity. So God, we give you this season. We give you our next. We give you our dreams. We give you our hopes. And we give you what you've already done. And we say, thank you. And then we ask you to guide us as we trust you with more. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. 2024. First Sunday of the year. And we're on an emotional roller coaster. Now everyone's like, what's an emotional roller coaster? It's gonna have high highs and low lows. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm not trying to be prophetic, it's just election season. The worst of us comes out, the best of us exposed. It's just the reality. But I will also tell you, confession time, if I may be honest, and I love that you give me permission to be honest from this stage. I will tell you, some, an event is happening in my life that means something to me, and I know you're gonna laugh. It's okay, you can laugh. But it's, it's a moment that happens to a lot of us. Uh, it's happened to some of us already. It will happen to some of us in the future. Uh, but this year, this month, actually, I turned 40. I, I know you can laugh, right? And uh, I... I may or may not have emotionally scarred myself. I read a book about turning 40. And now again, you can laugh, but I'm, I'm really pouring out my heart here. I, I, I have to confess this, okay? I read a book called uh, Halftime. And the, the, the first, the book kind of uses this, this uh, illustration that life is like a basketball game. And, and the first two quarters of your life, you, you play to have fun. You play to understand the game. You're just playing. And then you go through this season called halftime where you, you make adjustments. You, you start to hone in. What, is, what has God called me to? What, what do I, how, how do I end well? What, what do I need to change? What do I need to start doing? And why? Because you're going to play the last two quarters to win because then it's game over. And I tell you that because I'm entering my halftime season and, and that's caused me to take a count. And anytime you take a count, it exposes your insecurities. It exposes in you things that you're like, mm, that's going to be painful to change. And, and I will tell you, it's been very uh, a hard year because like I just said, we've, we've experienced so much beauty in what God has done in the house just this year. 
In fact, in my, in my tenure, almost three years here, I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen my family just be blessed. I've seen my kids grow and, and have aunts, uggles, just pour into them, love them and, and just pour into them. I, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be here. But I will simultaneously tell you that it has also been the hardest three years of my life. It's hard because there's the burden of leadership that you just have to process. What else makes it hard is, is so far in the, in, the, in the 20 some months, 26 months that I've been here or whatever, uh, we've had to walk through 18 deaths in my wife and I's family. And all of a sudden, what it's causing me to, to expose, what's causing me to seek out, to search out, what it's exposing in my life is I find myself keep saying the same, I call it an excuse. You might call it a phrase. I keep saying the same thing. And that is, I'll get to it when the dust settles. And I feel like what the Lord has been speaking to me, and I, I, maybe he's speaking it to you, but what he's speaking to me is he's saying, Kyle, what, what if the dust never settles? And I will tell you that hit me like a ton of brick. In fact, it, it's kind of paralyzed me to a point because I have to deal with the reality of our mortality. I have to face the fact that no matter how successful I am, no matter how wealthy I am, no matter how powerful I am, I can't change what happened yesterday. And again, no matter how awesome I think I am, no how much money I have or any other defining trait that our world puts on us, I can't change tomorrow. In fact, I can't even affect it. But what I have is today. And I have to make choices today that set me on the trajectory that I wanna go. And I will tell you, it's been hard. It's been hard because I, I, I've been losing hope. In fact, I, I not only did that inspire this series and, and as I started to seek the face of God, I'm like, wow, there's something in this. There's something in this for our church and I wanna share it with them. And, and we're gonna share it to you today, but I have to confess, I don't want to. I don't want to because I don't like it. In fact, it's not fun. This week, I did everything I could to get out of this message. And, and you know what, this week, th this is my week. Not only am I going through this quote unquote midlife crisis and I'm being way dramatic, okay, I know that. <laughs> it's midlife crisis of trying to take account of who I am and where am I going and what's next all to realize I'm human and I'm not in control of anything. But then I go into this week and I'm facing loss in my family. I'm facing uh, re relationships in my family that have gone unreconciled and there's pain there. I'm navigating my daughter, navigating her relationships with, with family members that she's not allowed to be in contact with anymore. And I'm sitting here going, I don't want to do this. This is tough. And, and then I, I, I have to deal with seasonal depression, like the holidays are over, the adrenaline rush has stopped. And I walk into Thursday and I, I talk to my assistant who's been with me for the past five years. In fact, she came with me from my last church. I love her dearly. And in her cancer battle, she's come to the point where she has to choose fighting for her life and she can no longer work for us. And I have to close the door on one aspect of our relationship. But can I tell you, it's been this source of stability for me. It's been this source of consistency for me. And so I do what any good boss does. I rally all the troops and I share the news that one of the people we love is gonna have to step off the team. We need to pray for her because she's entering the final rounds of her life. And then in the midst of that meeting, I get a text and I read that text and 
The next day I head to the hospital where I face the reality that one of my elders and one of the people I work closest with, one that I dearly love, is in the last days of his life. As he enters hospice. And I'm literally going, why? Why? I don't want to do this. And then I, it's Saturday, right? And, and I'm, I'm getting the kids ready for bed and getting them out of the shower. And, and I literally like sit down. I pull out my message. I'm making notes. I'm working through my message like I do every Saturday night. And I literally just get comfortable doing that. And then I hear this screaming and then laughing and I'm confused, but then the screaming gets louder and I walk out and my, my poor five-year-old son has got some sickness and he's just lost control of the back end. <laughs> and right there in the hallway, there's just stuff everywhere. And he's screaming because he's embarrassed and he he's, doesn't have this problem and he doesn't know what to do. And he, he's like, it didn't mean to, but it did. And I don't know what to do. And he's panicking and he's a germ freak and he's freaking out. And then there's my 11-year-old daughter who, bless her heart, she doesn't know what to do. So she's laughing. She's like, ha, ha, ha. And then I have an emotional needy dog who, who anytime you laugh, he thinks it's time to play. So he bolts down the hallway and I'm like, Why? And then I'm looking for my wife because I'm trying to wrangle what circus is unfolding in front of my eyes and she's nowhere to be found. I'm screaming down. She's down in the basement doing laundry and I'm screaming, Andrea. And she's like, what? And I'm like, help. And she comes up and I go, she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, it's a crap show. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And then I'm having to clean up my son. I'm having to quiet my daughter. I'm having to clean up my dog. And I'm having to clean up the hallway. And I'm having to work on my message. And I'm like, oh, will the dust ever settle? But here I am. And if I'm honest, I think you have some messes in your life that you try to hide or cover or fix too. If you have your Bible, we're gonna be in John chapter nine. And we're gonna look at a story that I think is really unique. It's in the gospel of John. John was one of the followers of Jesus. You can follow along on the screen if you want. Uh, but he was a guy that observed Jesus over the course of his ministry. And so for three years, he followed Jesus. And what he gives us, what he gifts us is this, this story that he observes, this conversation that him and the disciples had with Jesus. And I think it has a lot of weight for us today. You can join me in verse, chapter nine, verse one. We're gonna read through it and we're gonna unpack it as we go. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I just wanna pause right there. I want to give you some context, all right? I, I think this is important. As Jesus was walking along and his disciples with him, he sees a blind beggar. And his disciples ask him, was it his fault or his parents' fault? Why is that so fascinating? Because I, I don't know what mess you're in right now. But I, I, I do know that it's very pathological of us. It's very sin nature of us to always assume a victim mentality and to assume that we're going through what we're going through right now because of our choices or our sin. 
In fact, we do it all the time. We, we don't get the promotion we prayed for, we hoped for, we begged for, we planned for. And then we sit here and go, oh, why does that always happen to me? I, what did I do? And then we immediately think, well, did I, did I sin? Did I screw up? Maybe you're like me, like, did my parents screw up? That's a joke. They might be in here right now. I don't know. <laughs> right? We, we always want to look for whose fault it is that what you wanted to happen didn't happen. And so there again, they see the, the disciples, right? Their humanity on full display to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Son of God who stepped out of heaven. And I love how graceful and gentle his answer is. What does he say? It was not because of the sins of his parents or him. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. Church, I, I don't know what you're going through right now, but is it too crazy to believe that what you're going through is actually so you could see a greater version of God in this side of the living? Is it that you actually might see something that you didn't see before if you didn't need him, if you didn't have to cry out for him, if you weren't dependent on him? And maybe he's just trying to get your attention because he wants to take you somewhere to do something in you for you to see him in a way you haven't seen him yet. And I know that doesn't change your situation. I know that doesn't change the pain of what you're walking through. But is he trying to get your attention? He then goes on and he says this to the disciples. He says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here, I am the light of the world. There's a time coming church where, where hope will not be with us. There's gonna time coming where it's going to be too late. The thing you've been playing for, the thing you've been holding off, the mess that you've been trying to clean up, the, the life you've been trying to get in order before you could say yes to serving, yes to giving, yes to community, yes to that relationship, yes to giving. I don't know what it, your yes is, but I'm sure you have like me a million excuses of why you can't do it. But can I tell you, you're not promised tomorrow. And what does God wanna do with you today? Because there is a time coming where hope is going to be gone. And yet you have the light of the world saying, I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm here. Say yes to me. Then he spit on the ground. He made mud with saliva. He spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went, washed, and came back seeing. I, I, I gotta just, I'm a germ freak. That's an unsettling conversation. And again, I want to be clear, you have to pay attention to the context. This blind man, who's been blind since birth, is, is begging because his only form of sustenance, his only way to take care of himself is at the mercy of the generosity of other people. And he's probably sitting in a highly public place. Why? Because who begs where there's no people? And so there he is, probably at the city gate, and he's crying out, help me, help me, give me something. And out of nowhere, he wasn't expecting a miracle. He wasn't expecting Jesus. He wasn't looking for healing. Out of nowhere, some guy comes up to him and says, you're going to be my illustration. I'm going to talk about you in front of your face. And has an entire conversation with his disciples, then spits on the ground. 
I don't know about you, but I do know that Jesus was 30-ish. I don't know, see many 30-year-olds spitting and then playing with what they make from their spit. So that was odd. And the disciples was like, has he lost his mind? But no, then he, he spits in the ground and he, he probably piles up some of this dust, this dirt, and he starts making mud balls. And you gotta have this beggar going, what is happening right now? He can't see it, but he's hearing all these people going, ugh, what's he doing? Then Jesus takes these mud balls, goes over to the blind man who didn't see it coming and shoves them in his eyes. And you're like, and you can imagine this blind guy going, what is happening? But somehow in the midst of it, he's comforted because God says, listen, go wash in this pool and you will see. And he's just so crazy. He's just so audacious to run to that water. And all of a sudden he can see. And what does the story say next? His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't that this man that used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, no, that's not him. He just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, it's me. I am the one. And the story goes on with what he did and him and Jesus have another interaction. It's really cool. You should read it. But I think that's enough for us today. See, because I, I don't know what mess you're sitting in. I, I don't know what perfection you're seeking. I grew up in a home where my mother has the gift of hospitality. And, and I don't know if it was given to me or emotionally distressed on me. But I'm one of those people where it's like, if you say, I want to come over to your house, I am running home and I'm spending the next two hours making it as spotless and as perfect as possible because the fact of you walking in on my mess is unacceptable to me. Every Saturday as a kid, we grow up. In fact, you can move my mother's fridge today, eat off the floor. That's how clean it is, I promise. But for whatever reason, that has become this, this, this thing to me. Where, where I say yes and no to people based on the condition of my cleanliness. And I would venture to say, well, it might not be your house. It's absolutely your soul. You have refused things because you didn't think you were good enough. You have said no to things because you didn't think you were clean enough. You have withheld yourself. You have withheld your honesty. You have withheld your gift of authenticity because you didn't think people could handle your truth because it's too messy. And what's amazing to me is we serve a God who's sitting here going, no, 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 no. I, I do miracles in the mess. I do miracles in the mess. And he gives us sight and when he gives us sight, we see things in spite of our messes. And what's crazy, what's amazing, and what you will learn is that when you start to see him in the midst of your mess, it's amazing how many people you don't need in your life won't be able to see you anymore. Because God is saying, drop the dead weight, we're going places. The only thing that goes with the flow is a dead fish. Living things fight the tide. He was no longer recognizable to those around him. So what does this have to do with us? Our mess is the stuff of miracles. It turns out the lie we've been told is a lie. Our cleanliness 
is not next to godliness. Our mess is. God does beautiful things with our dust, with our dirt, with our mess, with our imperfections, with our doubts, with our sins. He does beautiful things with the ones who in the beginning God fashioned out of dust. May we not forget that. Look what it says in Psalms. It says, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. We're only dust. We forget that God fashioned us from the earth. In fact, scripture tells us that someday we're gonna return to the earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And yet we hide from God. We keep it at bay. We think we're hiding from God. We try to cover our shame. And yet God is saying, guys, I can handle it. In fact, if you give it to me, I will do immeasurably more than you ever asked or imagined with it. Because I do miracles with the mess. So what does that mean for you, church? Well, you can keep cleaning up your closets. You can keep cleaning up your email boxes. You can keep cleaning up your friends list. You can vow to clean up your lives, which we do every year with new resolutions. Yay. Or, or maybe you could just be honest with where you're at, what you're feeling, what you need, and give it to the one who holds it all together. And he might do the immeasurably more than you ever asked or imagined with it. Dear friends, Jesus is not afraid of our dust, our mud, our sweat, our mess. Our Lord makes miracles happen with relationships that we deem worthless. Our Lord makes miracles happen with people we deem worthless. Our Lord makes miracles happen with situations that we think are worthless, lost, or gone. Because he loves us and he created us out of dust. I was wrestling. I was really, I was like, God, I, I think it's there. I, I know it's what you wanted me to talk about. I, I'm struggling. And I literally was like, God, I don't know how to walk this out. I don't know how to make this practical. And then when you know what, I went and saw my friend, my confidant, my elder. And the Lord put it all together. I went and saw Dr. Bruce Wilkoff in the hospital on Friday and And, and I just started to cry. I, I, I lost it. I, I was like, this is, this is a hero. This is my hero. And I walked out in the hallway with his wife, who is a saint. And she says, Kyle, we just got to do what we've been doing. How am I, what have we been doing? She says, we got to prepare the soil. We just got to keep preparing the soil. And church, I would submit to you that your life is not so much about how clean you think it is or the pursuit of your cleanliness. It's actually about you preparing the soil. Because when you prepare the soil, a savior is going to come and he's going to do something you didn't expect, like spit in it and help you see what you could never see before him in the midst of your circumstance. And it's in those moments where life all of a sudden changes and everything you thought you needed, everything you thought you wanted, you realize you had no clue. But you have a savior, you have a God 
who loves you so much that he made a way, he gave you a gift, he gave you the power of the Holy Spirit and he's saying, follow me. We just have to prepare the soil. And I don't know what you're expecting. I don't know what you're praying. I don't know what you're hoping for. I don't know, maybe you've lost hope. But I want you to know it's okay. I don't have a lot of hope right now either. In fact, I have funerals on my horizon and it breaks my heart. But all I can do is wake up and prepare the soil because I have a God who says there's a season for everything and what dies will spring again and I have to fight for that hope when I don't have it and it hurts. Prepare the soil, church. It's gonna be a wild series. An emotional roller coaster, I told you. Next week, I wanna give you the art because I don't want you to miss it. It's too good. It's too good. Next week, I invited my friend. She's a missionary who's working in a part of the world where you're not allowed to be with her husband. And some terrorists killed her husband. She came home and the Lord told her, I didn't take your ministry, I took your husband. So her and her boys went back and she's still there serving and she's changing the world. And she's gonna be here next week. She's gonna be talking about the dust of disappointment. What do you do when it doesn't go your way? And then we're gonna talk about the one that sucks. We're gonna talk about dust-ups. There's one thing we don't wanna deal with is conflict. We hate conflict, but yet what does God promise us? Conflict. So we're going to talk about how do we deal with conflict. And I don't know what we're going to do. I sort of do. We're going to do the dust of death at the end. I was actually going to interview Bruce, but I don't think he'll be with us. But I still think we need to have the conversation. What does it really mean when it, at the end of the day, it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust? Are we waiting to die? Or are we going to show up to heaven exhausted? The choice is ours. I hope you show up exhausted because we have work to do. But church, 2024 might not be the year you hoped for. It might not be the year that you wanted. It might not be the year that you prayed for, but it's a year that there's breath in your lungs. And I pray that in spite of whatever mess you're in, you prepare the soil and I hope that God does something in your life where you can see him in the midst of it because he has not left his throne. He has not left his kingdom. He has not left his position and he loves you so much that he wants to give you a hope and a future and he wants you to see him in the midst of any circumstance. Would you stand as we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that in spite of our pain, in spite of our trials, in spite of what doesn't go our way, you're still there. And I, God, I pray that you would help us to prepare our soil, that, that you would show up the savior that you are and you would help us to find sight when we didn't think it was possible. That God, we will see you and your working hand in it. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
May you attune our hearts to what you're doing. We pray these things in your name. Amen, amen.